I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. So we have two questions today all about money mindset that we thought would go really well together. Should I read them out? Go. So the first one is from Kat and it's short and sweet and she asks, how do you navigate your money mindset and feeling guilty around wanting to earn good money? And the second one is sent in by Evie and she says, in the new year, I'll be putting my prices up. My skill level has increased and I'm consistently shooting a high standard of work. But despite my confidence in my own work, I worry that others will think I'm overcharging. I think this is imposter syndrome. How do you deal with this? This has been the thing I've been working on myself actually over the last year, maybe a bit more. So I guess disclaimer alert, everything I'm saying is still stuff I'm figuring out in this episode. I'm totally with both of our letter writers this week. Yeah, I actually feel intense imposter syndrome even tackling this letter because it's something I struggle with so much myself. (laughs) But that's good. We can all have a conversation about our shared problem. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is Sarah's the person I go to when I'm stressed about this and Sarah talks to me when she's stressed out about this. So you're probably just going to hear a lot of our own neuroses in this episode. That's good though. We've all got the same issues. I think that's, that can be a lesson all by itself. I think the interesting part, the reason why we included those two different letters is because there's two layers to it. I think the money mindset and the permission and that guilt of wanting to earn good money is the foundational layer and then the pricing is kind of how is is kind of how that comes to life within the business yeah I think with feeling guilty around wanting to earn good money and I feel like until that is explored it's going to show up in your pricing decisions because if you feel guilty around wanting to earn money that guilt is going to manifest in the decisions you make Right. There are kind of two constraints on what we charge. There are the practical, real real life constraints, which are about what people will pay for our services and how much it's worth and how much our, our customers can afford and all those sorts of things. And then there are the constraints that come from within us, which are all of this talk around what we're worth, what other people will think about what we're charging, what it says about us if we charge this much or if we make this much money. And in my experience that second category of stuff like in an ideal world we'd be able to just wipe all of that away and make our decisions based purely on the first category of stuff because that would be how to make a good business decision the second lot of stuff can end up just being noise because you are someone who has been really open about how much your business makes Mm. how did you give yourself permission to earn good money That is a good question. I don't know if I have a nice, concise (laughs) answer to it. I wish I did. Um, It happened originally almost by accident. So then I was sat in this situation looking at my bank. And and, I mean, kind of for people who don't know my backstory, I came from a house where there wasn't an awful lot of money growing up, certainly not someone who came from a lot of money. And all through my kind of late teenage years and 20s, really struggled for money, was always like hiding from debt collectors or the postman bringing bills or whatever else and I know that's a really familiar story to lots of people so to to go from that to being comfortable my initial feeling was one of huge guilt and I can remember I think I blogged about it at the time but there was a time I stayed in a hotel and decided to order room service breakfast for the next day because I was feeling unwell and the room service breakfast was 40 quid like even now I think that that is absolutely ridiculous of me I paid this I had to pay it the night before and I paid it and then I couldn't sleep because I felt so guilty about having ordered this 40 pound breakfast so yeah I don't think anyone's immune to it and I think it's all relative from where you start and where you where you get to I have a really similar socioeconomic background to you and I think I don't know about you Sarah like when you grow up in a northern working class family it's very much a them and us mindset and what I mean by that is like rich people 
don't care about everyday working class people and rich people are greedy and you know yeah we might not have a lot of money but we're good people and we care about each other and I never had access to any examples of wealth as a kid no unless I saw it on a film for me it was you know happening to be in a relationship with someone who just naturally had a totally different socioeconomic background to me who went on these fancy holidays and who lived in a house that I'd never seen that size house before (laughs) that for me was in itself a big learning curve of also being like Oh, you're, a you're not actually that much different to mm-hmm. me you're not bad evil people and it's but it is interesting I think depending on your background I think it shapes your feelings and thoughts about money and I found that the transition from being a teenager to being an adult is when I really had to start to rewrite and question a lot of the stories and beliefs that I was holding about money that I just kind of built from lots of different levels of conditioning and exposure right because it runs deep this stuff runs really deep and and money is psychological I mean it's almost entirely psychological because it's just bits of paper like it should mean nothing but it means so much to all of us and I mean you asked that question like what gave me permission and I think I don't think I really had that given myself that permission until I was listening to the audiobook of Jen Sincero's Had to be about us at making money yeah so that's the second book I think yeah. isn't it and there's a lot of stuff in that book that didn't resonate for me she's very law of attraction and I'm not sure where I sit with all of that but there was a little part in there where she talked about we need more people like us to be in positions of power. And the, the moment, the way the world works is people have power if they have money. And the more money you've got, the more chance you have to make change. And that really rang true for me. And that was the first time I've ever heard that. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, like that's what needs to happen. We need more people like the people who are pulling all the strings in the world right now. If you look at American politics, um, I mean, it's kind of a global thing. It's people who have got money and privilege and we need to get more people who have got more diverse backgrounds and more diverse experiences into those positions of power to start having that influence um, on a wider scale. I think as I was asking you that question, pondering on it for myself too, asking him what gave me permission to allow, because the thing is me and Sarah, either way we have given ourselves permission because we've priced our services and our offerings in Mm. a certain way that enables us to make a good income. And I think for me, like my core desire and motivation for a lot of things is just freedom and I think for me money is I just see money as a tool for freedom freedom for how to spend my days freedom for to make medical choices that I want to make freedom to make food choices freedom to just support the people I love I remember when I started my business in my first year this is really funny my financial goal was 10,000 pounds because I'd done the maths and if I made 10 grand uh, on top of Alex's income we would just scrape by we could afford a tiny little home and we could make the the cheapest food order feed your cats we could just about feed the cats I remember starting off back then I think what I had to do was go on a journey of taking small leaps yeah step by step I had to realize what the role money was in my life because money doesn't have to be greedy money doesn't have to be something that where someone has to lose in the process no it can be a win-win situation so I think for me answering that bigger question of how do you give yourself permission to earn good money I I get really clear on why I want to make good money it's so I can live life on my own terms so I could have I supported my husband to leave his job so he can pursue his own dreams so that I can you know take my mum out for lunch I can take care of my animals I can save for my future I can make really conscious decisions about my health and I can do work that I believe in none of that sounds bad to me no none of that is greedy and selfish and and add to that like I know we're in my own business and I'm sure you're the same we're equipping other people to then 
start their businesses. So like, for example, your husband edits this podcast for us. I have VAs who I pay. I have graphic designers who I pay. And I tend to try and find women who are running small businesses and web designers, etc. You know, so in making kind of good money for ourselves and making our business successful, we're able to kind of pay that forwards and help other people to do it. I mean, I learn this in every area of my life when it comes to fear. It's not about making it go away. It's about learning to say this fear and this imposter syndrome is going to crop up from time to time, but it doesn't have to be in the driver's seat of the decisions I make totally because sometimes I am going to feel you know some I I know what it's been like to be with friends who just because of the careers they have earn a lot less than me and I might be complaining about one thing and then I see that they don't even have half the options that I have financially and I just feel like the greediest bitch in the world (laughs) and then there's sometimes when your money mindset is going to be triggered by so many different things I think I don't know about you Sarah one of the weirdest things for me has been earning more than my parents do yeah I mean, I'm very lucky that my parents are nothing but proud of me and nothing but supportive of me, but it's a weird thing to have changed social class yeah from your child that's been an interesting journey for me not I mean I feel like class in many ways is a social construct but to change the options that I have available to me now I didn't have available to me as a child well it's that freedom you spoke about and actually as you were saying that about money means freedom I think to me it means safety which is very similar but it's for me it means like being able to drive my car and not have to turn the music up really loud because I'd want to drown out the engine because I'm scared that if I break down I can't afford to get <laughs> get it fixed or you know going to London and missing your train and not being terrified and having a panic attack because you know you can just pay for another train home that kind of level of security but again that comes from a background I suppose where we haven't felt like that was an option. Yeah. And that's not to say that coming from a working class background is like, I have no regrets of my childhood. Mm-mm. Like I don't look back and be like, I wish my parents had my money. Cause if they taught me anything, they taught me what it was like to enjoy what you have. Yeah. And also like, I don't need a lot to be happy. I have two numbers in my mind. I have my core number, which is that's just what I need to like pay the bills feed the animals, like have enough in savings. So if the car breaks down, we're fine. If the animals like have an accident and then they just have my stretch number, which anything over that just gets to go to life's extra joys. But without them, I'd still be a happy whole human. And I think growing up in a working class background has given me the ability to really live in enough, if that makes sense. I've been writing about this in my blog, actually. It's not gone up yet because it feels really vulnerable. But this, because I don't know if you've seen this, Jen, but I feel like in this space that we're in, this kind of work world, whatever we're calling it, where kind of coaching and online business ownership, there are a lot of women who do what we do, but have come from more financially affluent backgrounds. And maybe they make that part of their brand. Maybe they hide it a little bit. But for me, I remember looking around at all these people when I was not quite where I was and thinking, does that mean I have to, does that mean I don't have a chance really? Like, is this the prerequisite you have to have? You have to have gone to boarding school and have a trust fund in order to be able to have an online business so the blog post I'm trying to write is why coming from a more working class background or whatever background you maybe feel that you know whatever you kind of would label it has its own advantages and has its own almost privileges actually because you do you you do you learn grit and you really understand the value of the money you do have. I mean, somebody said to me when I spoke about how much I'd earned in the last year, she went on a bit of a rant about saying it was crass to talk about money. <laughs> and I was like, gosh, that is just such an opposite mindset because when you've not come from money, you talk about it every day by necessity. I can remember my mum doing sums Thumbs. on the back of an envelope yeah, yeah. and panicking about money 
I'm all, we're always working it out, always talking about money. It's a daily topic of conversation when you don't have it. So for me, it makes sense that now my business is doing really well and like life has become a lot less frictionful. Things are a lot smoother when you have money to kind of pave, pave the way. I still want to talk about it. I still want to talk about money every day because I think it's really important to get inside your business from that perspective and look at the numbers and feel like you understand what they mean for you and for where you can go next. I think it's so important to have honest conversations about money. Anyone in my real life will probably describe me as a filterless person. There's nothing that I won't talk about. That tends to not come across as much because I'm more poised in the podcast. (laughs) But I will ask my best friends if they get a new job or what to get get a rise because I'm excited for them. I will just, I will ask, and people don't have to tell me things, but I will talk so openly about money because I think if we live in the shadows we can't support each other we can't help each other we can't understand I just think money shouldn't be a taboo just like sex shouldn't be a taboo money shouldn't be a taboo and I just think we should have honest conversations about money not kind of here's my honest conversation about money now buy my thing so you can make this money too yes yeah and there I mean there is I had a who was I talking about this with with Tara Moore when I met her a couple of months ago and I was saying how I felt like in the States, I think if I was selling my courses, I would use how much money I've made over the last year. So it was kind of 250K that we made last year. I would use it as a selling point mm. and it would be somewhere on my sales page. But in the UK and really just because of who I am, I don't feel like that should be a selling point for my business. Like how much I make shouldn't make you want to buy my course. Yeah, because it's all relative. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I actually wrote about this a little while back in a weekly letter to my community. I'm really kind of concerned at the moment about how many of us are building our income dreams in response to other people's income goals. Mm-hmm. So for example, someone could see that you earn 250k and then they say, well, I need to earn 250k. But if they had to do the maths, what do they need for their life? Right. Well, when we had to do that, after we we kind of earned it by mistake, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, things scaled up faster than I expected. And my husband sort of was like, well, so what do we want to make next year? And I said, actually, I don't know if we even need to make 250K. Like, this has been fun, but we've worked really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Maybe what we want to do is take our foot off the gas a little bit, work a little bit less hard, have a bit more life. Because actually... Maybe we don't need to make quite this much money. I mean, no one needs to make 250k. Nobody needs 250k now. It's amazing and beautiful and the things that it's done for your life for you to have made that. Two things can be true at the same time. You, No one needs to make 250k is the same at the same time that making 250k is awesome. Yeah. Two yes. things can be true at the same time. And you have to get your head around both of those things, I think, to overcome the things that our letter writers have said about this week, this kind of money guilt, this money fear. You have to be able to hold space for both of those things in your head at the same time. Yeah, and I think the thing that brings me peace in this journey is being really quiet with myself around what is money's role in my life what do I need what do I want my relationship to money to be for me I want my relationship to money to be I want to trust money I want to trust myself with money I want to feel free and open around money so for example because I didn't grow up with a lot of money and then when I first you know I got my like little part-time job at 16 and I got into a lot of debt in my early like my late teens early 20s and I got out of that debt like years ago and what I learned a big issue for me and money is that I've always been scared of it I've always been scared of my ability to manage money same so for me having the trust in money and to believe not holding so tightly onto money so for example at the moment I've learned say we really want to get a new mattress for example and I didn't let us buy a new mattress for two years (laughs) yeah <laughs> this is like me yeah and we could have got that mattress and we finally got it and 
because I was just like, no, no, don't get the new. It was, it was such a block in my mind. And I learned like money doesn't have to be something that I have to hold so tightly onto either. If you have the privilege of being able to buy, you know, mattresses don't come cheap. So I guess it's knowing your relationship with money is a huge part here. Knowing the stories you're telling yourself about money and also like what's coming into your brain around money right now. Are you surrounded by people who are saying that money is greedy? Yeah. Is that coming or are you surrounded by people who are enjoying money and celebrating money? Like what noise is coming into your head and affecting your own relationship with money? I always worry around this whole conversation about privilege. And like I mentioned earlier, like the law of attraction yeah. and this idea that actually if you just want it hard enough or if you just think positively enough around money, it's all going to come flooding into your life. And that's definitely not where either of us kind of stand bullshit. on it. <laughs> <Total bullshit. laughs> but it's a fine line, isn't it? Because mindset does still have an influence. And I think similarly to you, actually, I, I quit my job and all I wanted to do was match my old salary for the NHS, which was about 20 grand. That was all I wanted to make. A little bit more hit. than my dream. Though, I though. double yours, but I was <laughs> aiming high, but 20 grand. And I was happy just making that much. Yeah. It was only when I sort of stopped and thought, well, maybe maybe I could make a bit more actually maybe I'm going to give myself three grand yeah like Forty. let's go crazy <laughs> let's see how much I can make Which, it I also I'm really aware that, that 20 grand is amazing yeah. and 30 grand is amazing I'm, I'm only laughing because I know how much Sarah earns now <laughs> yeah well yeah and, and it was only by changing my mindset literally like going oh hang on I've got a business actually I don't only have to make as much as I've always no made ceiling. before there's no ceiling here and that I remember that when the first time I Insta Retreat sold and I got on a train and I'd opened... Do you remember? You, I messaged you and yes, you told me how much you sold yeah. and I was like, oh my God. So I got on a train and I'd opened enrollments and when I got off the train in London, I checked like my emails because the Wi-Fi on the train was no good and I was like, shit, I need to close it and I'd made 40 grand in the space <laughs> of a train journey and I had no... Like I had to... I phoned my friend I was like, do I need a special bank account? <laughs> what do do I put it under my bed (laughs) what do I do with all this money like I had no idea and it was changing my mindset that made that possible as well as all the other work I'd done in my business of course and there is privilege that goes into that totally but I think something I say to a lot of my clients is make sure that the business you're building has the capacity for where you want it to go here's what I learned if you build a business that you just want to make 20 grand it's pretty capped at that level. Yeah. For example, I have a client and she currently she's building her business from scratch. And right now the first goal is for it just to replace her day job income, which is around 30 grand. But she does know in the long run, she'd love it to be able to make around six figures because that would be able to help her husband quit his job too. Mm. And so what we're, the first level is to build the business to get to the first, because you can't go from zero to a hundred K, but you have to be building a business that is also capable for that long term growth and this is where the mindset stops you yeah this is what I did wrong when I started my business I didn't even honestly 10k was my goal I was just like I'll just make 10k and I can just about survive and I actually had to spend at least a year after that adjusting my business to be capable for more because I had backed myself into a corner by not allowing myself to want more and I feel like actually that's like something I've been struggling with at the next level in my business Mm. lately like I feel like I've reached a limit on capacity for classes as I'm running them at the moment and I'm going to need to change something in my business in order to, to in order to kind of keep growing and that has brought all this fear back to the surface of well hang on I don't need to make any more money why would I want to make more money what does that say about me what will other people think about me and actually it isn't even about the money that's not really what's motivating the decision the decision is what is best for my business what's going to keep it growing what's going to keep it fluid what's going to be best for my customers mm-hmm. what did they want how can I best serve them and Yes, that will make my business more profitable, which 
keeps it healthy, keeps it thriving and gives it a future. But I can't let my fear of making more money hold me back from doing all those things that are actually best for my business. Yeah, completely. And I think with that second question we were sent in around increasing pricing, the really funny thing is, is that I'm literally in that right yes. now and Sarah knows about and I, you said something like when you have to go to a next level in your business and this happens to me and I know it happens to you it's, it's an anxiety trigger yeah I've actually been in like a pure anxiety spiral this past week because I've had to make some pricing decisions in my business and it brings up who the hell do I think I am will anyone pay me this am I worth it and it, and what I've learned is those anxieties aren't rooted in the truth of the business no it pulls it back out to your personal relationship with money because when I've spoken to you about raising my prices at this certain stage of my business the clear facts of it is it's just a few hundred pounds. Yeah. It doesn't really make a difference. Not when someone's making a, a significant investment in themselves. Yeah. It, and it's kind of that level of just the the fear is more, who the hell do I think I am? Yeah. Am I worth this? Am I worth this? All these stories. And also just, am I greedy? Like all these things. And then when you get down on paper, sometimes your business makes decisions for you when it comes to money. Yes. I talk about this so much with my clients when they're building pricing is that everyone has a limited capacity for how much work they can do, especially if you're service-based. And if you have a amount of money you need to make for the business to be profitable, there's a decision there made for you. If you sell for less than that, you're always going to be making in some ways a loss. Well, and it's going to damage the business overall and you're going to grow less. Like we did a whole episode, didn't we, on kind of pricing. Yeah. And I would definitely recommend both of our letter writers this week listen to that as well. But kind of what I was saying before, like they're, they're two separate things. However much money you want to make or don't want to make, your fears can't be responsible for setting your prices. Like that has to be a business decision. And something I have learned is if my business isn't capable of a price increase, my business isn't in a good place. So true. And sometimes the other thing to think about is you're actually doing your business a disservice by not raising your prices because your pricing ultimately says something about you mm-hmm. and say for this letter writer you've been increasing your experience you've increased your skill level you've ex- increased basically what you offer to the client if your pricing doesn't reflect that you're saying something about your business in that process and I know we've spoke about this more in the practicalities of pricing yourself but in terms of how do you get over the imposter syndrome of that the only thing I know how to do is I have to separate myself from the business in that decision so I have to go to a business headspace I have to be like yep. this is what my business needs me to do if I take my own emotions and fears out of this when I do that the answer is so clear same on the table it's like whenever I raise my prices I put a date in the calendar for when to have a conversation with myself again to raise my prices so for you it sounds to me like you've already made a decision for what to increase your prices by it's now taking the leap and trusting that decision that you've made before fear came into the equation because what you've probably done is you've in that moment where you know that you are worth more you've made a decision and then you've stepped back and your fears have come to the surface and you have to sit with those fears for a little bit and have a conversation with yourself but ultimately the business owner within you has to make this decision not the human being with money mindset issues because the truth is we all have money mindset issues we just have to make a choice as to whether or not they're making decisions for us in our business it's those two types of fear tara talks about in her book playing big the fear of the monster under your bed versus the fear of taking up a bigger space and it's definitely that second type the other thing i hear in our letter our second letter is it's not really what she thinks of herself for charging everyone more. Knows. It's what everyone else is going to think. And I, maybe I'm projecting here, but she sound, I think she's a photographer yeah. from what she said. And I know the photography world, there's a lot of everyone watching each other. And a lot of kind of, it's a community, but at the same time, there's kind of a little bit of competition within that. And I wonder if she's wondering what 
her competitors are going to think about her charging and whether that voice of who do you think you are is she's projecting it from from her competitors and not from her customers because I don't think her customers will object to paying what she's worth for her beautiful imagery you know for all the skill that she brings for all the experience she brings your your right customers are going to appreciate that and want to pay for a a premium to get a premium product if the only thing that's holding you back is the fear of what people on the outside watching are going to think then obviously that's not a sensible business decision it's not a sensible life decision I think it's a lesson in and of itself to tune out those voices this is coming up with my clients about price increases and they usually what happens is they say the price they want to increase to and then they say the fear price of like oh well if I just go to this amount and then I say to them if you charge that amount the fear amount how will you feel and they'll be like like I'm not like undervalued I feel crap about that and that's what your fear your fear wants to keep you safe but if the truth is that you're not going to feel good in your business charging that amount from either a financial point of view or a personal point of view you have to be, you You kind of don't have a decision there because ultimately price it, your business can't grow. And when we say grow, it doesn't have to mean that you're double, tripling five times in your income, but a business is a living, breathing thing that always needs room to grow. Mm-hmm. If not, it, it does, it doesn't just stand still. It goes backwards. Yeah, absolutely. And it can shrivel and die. You know, it needs to grow in order to thrive and to stay alive. And also to represent your experience level. If you've got five years experience over someone who's coming in at the beginning and you're scared to raise your prices, so, you, so you're ending up at a similar price point to you, you're being put into a market that you shouldn't be in. That's a lesson that Sarah reminds me of all the time because pricing services and pricing courses is a little different because services are always a bit more expensive. Yeah. This is a funny thing that I do. When I see someone, say a coach, for example, who charges a lot more than I do, I don't think who the fuck do they think they are. I think good for them for owning their expertise and for just their prices reflecting just what it takes to work with that person. Yeah, it makes me think, wow, I bet they're really worth it. But then when I think of myself charging that amount, I'm horrible to myself. And what that actually teaches me is it's not actually about the pricing. It's about my relationship with myself in my work. Totally. And, And I have some work to do around owning who I am in my work and in the case of this letter writer the second letter writer I suspect if she puts her prices up which I'm hoping after this episode she definitely is going to do what will really happen is the people around her will stop and look and they will think about what she's done and they'll probably put their prices up too and she will be the it takes that brave person at the start to take the leap to kind of bring everybody else along and help everybody else's businesses to grow too and the other thing I always remember is when you increase your prices you're not forcing anyone to pay them no if they can't afford you they get to, they don't want to pay that they get to walk away and the fear of what if I raise my prices and then no one books me I have two arguments here for this the first argument is every time I've raised my prices and every time my clients have raised their prices nothing bad has happened I think it all comes down to where you make the decision from for example a client I worked with a year or so ago she had a a friend in a similar industry to her who encouraged her to double her prices because she was saying, you know, you're not owning, taking up the right space and you're not, you're like, she, she made the decision from a place of pressure from someone else right? and she doubled her prices and she did not feel confident or comfortable in that price because it didn't come from an internal decision. It came from an external mm-hmm. expectation on her. So we did some work together around figuring out what was the middle ground between where she used to be and where she is now. And she figured out a number that she was really happy with. So I will say it has to be an internal decision. Totally. And I wouldn't even recommend looking around you and seeing what everyone else is charging. Well, you don't know how well their business is doing. No, someone it? could be charging 
20 times what you charge and thinking they're doing wonderful and they're booking no clients. Yeah, or they could be charging half what you charge and not making enough to get by. So Yeah, and I would say this is an ongoing journey mm-hmm. it never ever ever ends and i also it de- you're gonna feel on top of the world some days around money you're gonna feel like a piece of shit in the ground of a day's around money yeah and you just have to navigate it but what i would say is if you are a business owner you have to make decisions as a business owner yes yeah, separate out the personal from the business and try and kind of make it from a strategic point of view instead of an emotional point of view yeah so i guess i know we've had kind of two different kind of letters today so I guess my first advice around kind of owning that you want to make good money is just get really honest with yourself around why you want to make good money figure out what is the story you're telling yourself about that desire why is that desire bad wrong and kind of get really clear on what that money means to your life in all the wonderful beautiful ways that it helps you live a better life and helps the people you love live a better life and just the positives of that and then when it comes to raising prices twala right you've already made a decision and the imposter syndrome is that says to me that you need to give yourself permission to own your expertise in your business and your work and kind of just don't let yourself make business decisions from a place of fear and if you need more support in this more support is available to you because i think a lot of us i don't know about you sarah I've started a business because I wanted to do two things. I wanted a creative job mm-hmm. and I wanted to do, I wanted to coach. I want to do this work that I want to do in you the world. You want to help people. And I want to be my own boss. So that I didn't start this business to deal with tax and VAT <laughs> and all the accounting side of it and all the business side of it. I've had to grow into that part of myself. Right. That hasn't been easy at times. There's been times when I've wanted to bury my head under my duvet because totally. I just want to do the work. I don't want to deal with the, the legal side of it. Or and the it's business. scary. Like with the more money that piles up, the more responsibility, responsibility the more tax to you have to pay. Right. The more tax and the, the more it is at stake if you mess it up. Yeah. And especially I think as women, we haven't been socialized to handle this. No. So it's okay if you're still finding your feet in this side of the business. It's okay if you reach out to help from someone or you need some advice from a financial advisor or an accountant or a coach or whatever. I guess I'm just saying it's okay if you're struggling with this because we struggle with this too. Yeah. And I think it, like you said earlier, it's an ongoing struggle for life really, but you tackle it more, you get to get hands on with it by doing it, by doing the work, by making the money, by not making the money, by getting kind of up in the trenches of your business and really dealing with it and hiding from it and hiding from those scary decisions doesn't make it go away. It just pushes it back. It's inevitable. So if you're kind of coming up up against these money questions, it's a good thing. It's a chance for growth and it's a chance to hopefully move past it a little bit. What a wonderful position to be in. Like, how much of a privilege is it to be having that conversation of, oh, I feel bad about wanting to make good money, or I feel scared about raising my prices. It's actually a beautiful situation to be in. And we can celebrate that. We don't have to feel guilty about the fact that it's a privileged situation. And if anyone needs to hear it, there is nothing wrong with wanting to make good money. And I feel like sometimes people feel like their reasons for wanting to make good money aren't as virtuous of people's reasons. If you just want to make good money because you love Gucci bags and you want to be able to buy yourself good for you, as long as there is integrity in in the way you make money, go for it. I have to make money from a place of integrity. Yes. But apart from that, it's all good with me. As long as you're not hurting anybody. I'll take advantage. I'll take advantage, then buy, then go for it. And actually, you'll find ways to 
make it virtuous along the way anyway. And I know me and Sarah both have complicated feelings about You're a Badass at Making Money for very similar reasons around the law of attraction. But it is a good book to read if you need someone to give you a kick up the ass around money mindset. Totally. And I, I do audiobooks and actually it was really powerful hearing her say that. Yes. Because I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk positively about money prior to reading that book. There's also Tara Spiger has a podcast episode on Money Blocks that is really practical and I would definitely recommend people check that out too. And my other advice would be talk to your friends. Like being able to say to Sarah, can I just talk to you about money for a minute? Or say to my other friends, that has saved me so much because A, it takes the shame away from money. Yeah. But B, we need that human connection around the subject that we've been forced to live in the shadows of a little bit. Totally. And I think I'd add to that, know which friends you yes, can talk course. to about money and which ones have their own baggage in that area and are just not ready to hear it but I I'm wishing both Valor are writers I feel like me and you are so in this right now in our own journeys yeah I hope this was valuable yeah I feel like we've played but I I guess I just hope you know you're not alone and you can navigate this but I hate to say it but I don't think it ever goes away yeah and if it does we'll report back from our beautiful zen (laughs) (laughs) space where we're absolutely fine with money but I don't I don't expect that episode to be happening. No, but good luck. And I mean, everyone, money is the is the um, unavoidable reality of all of our lives. Death and taxes, right? Yeah, so come and share with us. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? What would your encouragement be? What's um, helped you? I'd love to yes. hear what's helped you. Books or podcasts or yeah, coaches definitely. or articles. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you for so much for listening today and just rooting for you both our letter writers. You can join us at lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and on social media. So on Instagram, I'm at me and Orla. And you'll find me at Jen Carrington underscore. We're going to be sharing new episodes every Monday. So if you've liked what you've heard so far, hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show. Yeah, and we can't wait to connect with you soon. <laughs> <laughs>